I never took the fight seriously. Those somber words of former heavyweight boxing champion Iron Mike Tyson came several weeks after arguably the greatest upset in the history of professional boxing. Around 30,000 fans crammed into the Tokyo Dome. The bell clanged and two hulking men began to pummel one another. The crowd anticipated Tyson to fight to a resounding defeat of a relatively unknown boxer named James Buster Douglas. The rounds added up and up and up. The crowd and critics realized something was wrong. In the 10th round, a relatively unknown Buster Douglas defeated a battered and staggering Iron Mike by knockout after he knocked Tyson to the canvas for the first time in Tyson's storied career. The boxing world was stunned. But the defeated heavyweight champion realized it was his own fault. Tyson said, I was out of shape, more or less. I let myself get too heavy before the fight. I lost 25 pounds in Japan in the last month before the fight. It was too much. I fell into sloppy habits. Buster Douglas beat an out-of-shape guy who didn't prepare properly. Those were his words. Mike Tyson's defeat teaches us a little bit about human nature. Over time, we tend to stop doing the things that led to our success. We might get sloppy in maintaining what led to our success. Dieters sometimes find this to be true. They work hard, have strong willpower and discipline, and through that, people lose weight, and then Little allowances are made, like that, oh, that hot now sign is on, <laughs> gotta stop. And then it leads to some reduced discipline. Gradually, the weight creeps back on. Dieting is an ongoing battle. In a similar way, consider how many marriage relationships fail due to spouses who fall into sloppy habits. That selfless, loving attitude and behavior they exhibited and showed each other early in the relationship begins to give way to criticism and apathy and selfishness. Well, it's true with our relationship with God. Samson found out the hard way what happens when you forget the fundamentals of living in the favor of God. Like Iron Mike, Samson was a heavyweight champion in his own right, mightily used by God to lead and defend against the enemies of God. But over time, he fell into sloppy habits. Sloppy habits, a lack of self-discipline, and ignoring some key fundamentals that always, without fail, leads us to fail. And we're going to hear more about that and the story of Joshua right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day, God's Word for Life listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to the God's Word for Life Companion podcast, companion to all of the great resources we use to help disciple one another, companion to the lesson guide, companion to the small group guide, companion to the daily devotional guide. Today's episode is entitled, As for Me and My House, and it's dated January 29th, 2023, And it stems from Joshua 24, verse 15. If you've been in church any length of time, you'll know exactly what that says. Joshua 24, verse 15, I will read it to you. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Those were the seminal words of Joshua 
as he got ready to lead the children of Israel into victory and the promised land. As Israel left the wilderness wanderings behind, they were tasked with the responsibility of possessing the promised land. Joshua realized prosperity is a difficult test to pass. One wise man or woman said success has slain far more than failure. God spoke through this 110-year-old leader with sobering caution. God reminded Israel they were inheriting a land they did not work for. They'd be living in cities they did not build. They'd be eating fruit and filling their bellies from vineyards they did not plant, they did not nurture. We learn lessons as we look back at Israel's history and our own. Routinely visiting our own legacy and the unfolding of God's promises is important for our future. It helps us realize God's promises are rarely immediate. We serve a God of process. Israel needed to understand God desired to raise up a people who would serve him and serve no other gods. Secondly, God chose a man who would be following God by faith. Because faith is obedience and loyalty to God while he prepares us for the right time to receive this promise. Israel needed this reminder. So do we. First question to ponder and to pose to you. Why is it important to remember and share our testimony of God's faithfulness? Once Joshua highlighted the faith and perseverance it took for Abraham to initiate this promise, he began to highlight God's faithful hand in their national history. Any Israelite under Joshua's capable leadership had heard the stories of the Exodus and the miracle at the Red Sea. Yet God deemed it important to highlight this miraculous favor and provision he extended to them. God not only delivered their forefathers from Egyptian enemies, but he fought for them as well, and he delivered their Canaanite enemies into their hand. Imagine Joshua's aged voice cracking with emotion as he recounted this treasured history. Most of the people he was addressing, they hadn't lived through much of it. They didn't know Egyptian bondage. They hadn't felt the grip of fear at the Red Sea or heard the crashing waves as God buried the army of their enemies in a watery grave. This generation of Israelites were not at Mount Sinai to see and hear the Ten Commandments God etched in stone by his own finger and gave to Moses. Most of the people Joshua was addressing were in the latter stages of the fulfillment of this promise of God. And even at that, God demonstrated his powerful provision and presence as they miraculously crossed the Jordan River, much like their ancestors crossed the Red Sea. And this generation began to possess the promised land. They were a people with a rich legacy. Their forefathers had a tremendous testimony. Similarly, God had given each of them a personal testimony to share with the world and share with the next generation. Next question. What are some dangers for people who have not experienced struggles and challenges in life? This was kind of a second generation children of God, if you will. Hadn't been to the Red Sea, didn't feel the sting of Egyptian taskmasters' whips on their backs. So what are some of the dangers of people who have not had it as much of a struggle to hold on to the faith of the people who did. As Christians, chosen people of this new covenant, God has given us exceeding great and precious promises. Second Peter 1 verse 4 tells us that. Whether you've been a child of God for six months or six decades, you've got a testimony. And for some of you, your testimony is God has delivered me from drug or alcohol addiction. For others, God has delivered you from depression or despair. And still others have testimony God has healed our bodies, mended our relationships, 
We have a testimony of what God has brought us from and carried us through. Some of you have a testimony that God has kept you from scars he doesn't have to heal you from, and you should thank God often for that testimony. Like Joshua, as we begin to journey through these promises of God and toward them, we amass victories and we grow through our failures. As we continue walking by faith, we see the promises of God gradually begin to unfold in our lives. For many of us, this includes relational health. A life lived according to the principles of God invariably produces mature and rewarding interpersonal relationships. Many children of God even experience financial stability as we learn even from our own mistakes, stewardship habits that honor God. The promises of peace and joy result in mental wellness as we learn not to fear, but rather to cast our cares on Jesus, 1 Peter 5, verse 7. For most Christians, our testimonies have come through some battles. We've experienced some challenges. We might have even have lost some battles. We might even bear some scars. But if we are living by faith, we keep moving forward. We keep fighting. The result is a testimony of God's provision and faithfulness. Heed the warning words God spoke through Joshua to Israel. Let's never forget what it took to get where we are. Consider not only our struggles and our sacrifices, but also those of the children of God who came before us. Elders of the faith who helped lay the groundwork to get us where we are today. These testimonies are meant to be shared and guarded. Now, just as Joshua echoed God's voice to a blessed and prosperous Israelite nation, we must remember to heed the voice of God in our blessed and prosperous lives. Joshua urged Israel, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. Joshua 24 verse 14. The children of Israel were benefactors of God's great grace and yet Israel still snuck in a few idols from their past. The gods Abraham's father may have worshipped continue to plague the lives of these children of promise. Hundreds of years after, God called Abraham from his family. They were still struggling to surrender those idols from their past, and they may have even embraced the worship of some of those Egyptian gods while Israel was in bondage in Egypt. Remember, Egypt worshipped everything under the sun, including the sun. Remember when Aaron fashioned a golden calf at the foot of Mount Sinai? Yeah, you guessed it. Egypt worshipped cows too. As people of this new covenant, we have to guard against the danger of embracing gods of our culture and our past. God is leading us into promise. We must never become divided in our loyalty or our devotion. We must hear and heed the first words God spoke to Moses. I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Exodus 20, verses 2 through 3. The very first commandment God gave Moses on tables of stone is, I am the Lord your God, have no other gods. Our parents may have dealt with some of these same idols. The love of money, entertainment, sensual pleasures, often secretly carried along with us as we journey toward the promises of God. Well, Joshua urged those of this old covenant to serve God with sincerity, with completeness, and turn aside from these false gods. God's voice echoes into the 21st century just as it did then. Serve me with completeness and turn aside from false gods that distract and hinder you. Next question, and I'm sure you knew it was coming. What are some present-day idols that hinder people from completely serving God? 
I doubt many of you have statues or anything you bow down and worship, but certainly there are idols in our lives we could worship, entertainment, money, fame, success, sensual pleasure, athleticism, athletes, actors, actresses. There are a lot of things we could worship, and so we must make sure we worship God and God alone. Joshua continued this impassioned plea, and he came to a resolute conclusion. He challenged those he addressed as he drew this proverbial line in the sand, and really it was more like a line in rock. He demanded they make a choice, and he gave them three choices. He said, okay, behind door number one, you could serve the God of Abraham, the one who created the heaven and earth, who carved out the oceans, who molded the mountain. You could serve him. Secondly, door number dos, You could serve the false gods of Abraham's ancestors. You could serve the people from the past or the people, the the gods in the people's past. Or door number three, you could serve the gods of the land in which you live. The Canaanite gods, you could serve them who have done nothing, who cannot hear or help you when you cry out to them. You could serve them. But Joshua's point was abundantly clear. It is time to decide, time to open a door and walk through it. Which will you serve, the God of Abraham? the gods of Abraham's ancestors, or the gods of the Canaanites. Israel had to make their decision. For years, they had made their decision on groupthink that allowed them to escape some individual liability and responsibility. They murmured together. They worshiped a golden calf together. They doubted together. They experienced victory together. On that landmark day, Joshua was not going to let them off the hook. This day would be much different. He said, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Individually, you have to make a choice. No matter what others do, we must make a personal commitment to lead ourselves and our homes in the ways of God. Attending church together and doing ministry together, those are all important. We must do that. But over the course of time, other people may compromise and accept idols that weigh them down or even take them back. They may begin to embrace gods of selfishness and criticism, even bitterness, gods of carnal entertainment and conformity to worldly values. They may creep in. We must not allow the gods others embrace to cause us to lay down our own convictions and commitments to God. Every individual follower of Jesus must decide whom ye will serve. Let me ask you this. Is it easier to choose God when the rest of the group is choosing him? I think it probably is. If you've ever been to North American Youth Congress, and that's coming up this summer, you'll know that it's pretty easy to worship Jesus when you're in an arena surrounded by 36,998 other apostolics who are spirit-filled, spirit-led, love Jesus, and are worshiping with abandon. But find yourself in a freshman philosophy course at university. You're surrounded by 300 people who believe in God differently or don't believe in God at all. Not as easy to raise your hand there and claim that you are a follower of Jesus. Certainly it's easier in a group, but it's just as valuable that we make an individual commitment and conviction. I will serve Jesus. This command was bold. It was direct. And so was his answer to his own challenge. He had watched Israel stagger between loyalties for years. He had witnessed their idolatry, the gravitate toward these false gods all through their journey toward the promised land. Joshua sensed the urgency of the hour. He saw how some of them were still very double-minded. He challenged them to choose. You cannot have it both ways or all three ways. You can only choose one. So which 
will you choose? Before giving them a chance to choose, Joshua told them, this is what I choose. Just in case you wonder where I stand as your leader, here's where I stand. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In your Bible, if you're reading it, you'll notice that that Lord is in all small caps, which means this was the covenant form of Yahweh, Jehovah. We will serve the covenant God of Israel. The line was drawn, the die was cast. Joshua's decision preceded the answer or declaration of any other Israelite. He and his family would wholeheartedly serve the Lord. But Joshua's question still hangs in the air for us to answer. Whom will you serve? The time for wavering and waffling is over. When that day dawns, what will your answer be? Will it be demonstrated in your walk, in your talk? Our choice will always be followed by our actions. Our actions truly testify what choice we make. Our enemy is different than Israel's enemy. We're not tempted by God's like they were in the same sense they were. Our weapons are not carnal. We don't fight with flesh and blood. We don't fight nations or clans. And we don't advance on and conquer physical lands. Sorry, that rhymed. (laughs) The gods that grab our hearts, they're not carved by wood or fashioned of brass, but their temptations and battles are just as real for us as they were for them. As the redeemed children of God of this new covenant, we're fighting the good fight of faith. And as we continue in this war, we fight many hard-fought battles. We must conquer enemies of bitterness and unforgiveness. We'll fight against carnal appetites of lust, greed, worldliness, idols of entertainment, materialism. They present themselves as alternatives to seeking first the kingdom of God, but they're not worthy alternatives at all. God calls us to walk by faith. Faith distilled to its simplest form is simply concrete trust and obedience to God and his word, no matter the outlook. Paul wrote to the church in Rome, and he declared, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. Romans 1 verse 17. God's righteousness is ultimately revealed when we, who have been justified by faith, proceed to live by faith. We live from faith to faith. Let's not be complacent like Israel was when they entered the promised land. Israel could boast that they had beaten Jericho, but Joshua issued a present challenge. Choose this day. I'm glad for the victories yesterday, but choose this day. Let's be grateful for, let's celebrate all the victories God has given us through faith. God's promises achieved through faith, they're worthy to celebrate, but we must keep the finish line in sight. It's not just about the starting line, it is about the finish line, and we're not there yet. Our race is not completely run. The final bell of the fight has yet to ring. We must take this fight and race seriously until the very end. It's life and death, it's even heaven and hell. Final question, how do we balance the celebration of past victories with maintaining a laser focus on future victories? Okay, we wrap this up. Started the episode with a story about a fight. Now let's finish with a story about a race. We're going to mix metaphors. On April 11th, which by the way is my sister's birthday, 2015 at the Hayward Field in Eugene, Oregon, hopeful athletes met to run in the Pepsi Team Invitational Track Meet. This episode not brought to you by Pepsi, but nevertheless. The crowd of over 3,000 roared as the contestants in the 3,000-meter steeplechase raced toward the finish line. You may have to Google steeplechase to see what it looks like. The steeplechase combined different skills into one race, distance running, hurdling, and long jumping. 
Runners must clear 28 hurdles, what in the world, and seven water jumps along a nearly two-mile-long course. Now, interestingly, the steeplechase originated in England when people raced from one church's steeple to the next, hence the name. The steeples were used as markers because of their high visibility. You could see the steeples everywhere. And the runners encountered streams and stone walls as they ran between towns, which is why the hurdles on the water jumps are now included. Oregon's Tanje Pepio, and yes, I had to Google that to learn how to say it. He was a senior from France. He had a commanding lead as he approached this final 100 meters. In his mind, victory was sealed. He was so far ahead of the field. He was so confident, he began to wave his arm for the crowd to cheer louder. Unfortunately for Pepio, nobody informed the University of Washington's Marin Simon that the race was over. As Pepio urged the crowd to cheer louder for a sure victory, he smiled as he heard them cheer. It was fitting. Pepio was a student athlete at the University of Oregon. This race was being held on his home track. It was perfect. But he didn't realize that the crowd's heightened cheers were not celebrating him. They were warning him. They were urging him, run, run, Tanjay, run, Tanjay, because they saw what he didn't see. And by the time Pepio realized what was happening, Simon crossed the finish line and won by a foot with a time of 8 minutes, 57.86 seconds, compared to 8 minutes, 57.96 seconds for Pepio. Point ten seconds. Pepio lost the race after he broke one of the key rules in sports. He celebrated before he won. If you watch the YouTube video, you can see the look of shock and dismay break across his face as Simon passed him at the finish line by ten one-hundredths of a second. After the race, they interviewed Pepio, and I doubt he wanted to talk to the press. But he did say this, I heard some noise. I was very surprised, and then I checked the screen, and I was like, whoa, somebody's coming. And Simon explained, I thought he had me. I thought he was just so far ahead. Then I heard the crowd get crazy, and he started throwing his hands up, and I was like, I don't think he knows I'm coming. I just went to the line and just raced. Our race of faith, it begins at a steeple at a local church. Our race is also filled with obstacles and pitfalls to overcome. Our race is long and tiring. But we are racing toward another steeple, another pinnacle. It is the eternal city of New Jerusalem, and it's pretty high too, so we should be able to see it okay. And as we near the finish line of this race, let's stay engaged, let's stay focused, let's finish well, let's not let up right at the finish line. We can't afford to be so distracted, so near the end of our race. May our testimony be the same as the Apostle Paul. I've fought a good fight. I have finished my race, and by the grace of God, I've kept the faith. I would like us to pray for God to forgive us if we have any idols in our lives, anything in our lives that we should not have, serving anything or anyone besides the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's ask him to forgive us. And then secondly, for him to help us finish strong in the faith. God, I pray today, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. If there's any idol, any wickedness, anything that I have esteemed above or beside you, anything I worship apart from you, please, God, forgive me. All of those listening, forgive us. Individually, we repent. Individually, we ask for forgiveness, and we pray that you would cover us in your precious blood. Help us to finish strong. 
Thank you for how you started all of us off on this journey, how you are the author of our faith. Help us to finish strong. Help us not to be distracted, but rather focused. Help us to fight a good fight. Help us to finish our course. Help us to keep the faith. May we do it all for the glory of God in this holy cause of discipleship. I pray all of this today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, God's Word for Life listeners. Be sure to subscribe and share, and you don't miss an episode, and neither will any of your friends. Also, head over to PentecostalPublishing.com or head over to ApostolicDiscipleship.com. Both links are in the show notes. You can get some awesome resources at PentecostalPublishing.com, and you can also get some awesome resources at ApostolicDiscipleship.com, some great God's Word for Life companion resources to help you in your devotional walk in life with Jesus Christ. Next week, we begin a brand new series called Putting Others First, and our first episode stems from the story in Mark chapter 10, Jesus told, and this story is called Who Belongs? And I'm looking forward to sharing that story with you next week, and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.